When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, this is Dr. Drew and you are listening to This Life with Bob Foy and Dr. Drew. Here we are. Hello. This is Bob's wonderful intro into our <laughs> This Life podcast. He is a professional. So yeah, today we have a full house. We do. Yeah. Sharon has stayed with us, which is our custom. We sometimes bring guests over. Uh, and you've got a, a show coming up. I have a tele- Well, we'll Can you talk see. about it? Hi. Yes. Um, my deal came through today uh, for a Showtime uh, limited series starring Annette Benning called Fantastic. Universal and Triumphant. Fantastic. And uh, it is about uh, a cult group. It is about a, a family of four children who grew up with a mother who was literally God. To the, and to the it's kid. the story of the children, yeah. It's, and and their, um, their relationship to a woman who um, was believed by 200,000 people to be... Uh, God, God herself, and it's very unusual that look at Drew's eyes right well, now. Well, I was just He's into it. He's into. He wants to join. I was just he thinking. It's, 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 it's fascinating how people do that. Everyone, but number two, it's an interesting corollary to what we were talking about last week with you and Prince, mm. who a lot of people sort of treated as though treated he were God. God. Yeah. Yes, and and it's not that different. Um, I, it's it's intended to be an anthology about cult groups, which. Um, which in my studies can go from like four people to two. I mean, it can be two. two. You can have a cult of two. Like a lot of domestic really? violence relationships are coercive, cultish kinds of things where people get brainwashed. That's true. That's yeah. really true. Yeah, but certainly four, six, eight. You know, it gets more traditionally cultish. Um, this particular book, the the show is from a book called Prophet's Daughter, which was written by the eldest daughter, who was uh, the woman who was supposed to take over Elizabeth's position and they at one point they you moved. take over God's spot? <laughs> yeah, you I get, want you get that in. job. Like Jesus. Well, it gets it does it get like handed down? <laughs> Like that Jesus. other voice, let me choose the other voice. That is Amber Tozer. <laughs> oh, she has a book called Sober Stick Figure. She's a comedy writer and she is sober. Yeah. And she's starting a cult. Yeah. Hey. Called Amberism. That'd be really nice, though. Wouldn't it be good? I would let them boss me around, though. I'd be like the f- first cult leader who would, like. No, but, <laughs> but, when, but Sharon was like, explaining it to it. me. She was That's explaining it to me a couple of months ago, and I was like. I want to form a cult. That's when we had that long conversation. I was it's, like, and she was really? kind of giving me the nuts and bolts of how to do it. I'm wow. for it. I'm for it. hundred percent. How do you do it? You just, you, you tell, you write a big book, you write a book, 
right? It doesn't have She's to be good. Amber's got that. This the, here, Done. right here. Okay. Like it needs to be a little thicker, like more like Book of Mormon. <laughs> you know, you have uh, dictated to you by an God. angel or you, God. You did some answers in you there. Need, God, right. it could be an angel. And then you tell everyone that that is the word, and you are the person who got it, and you're the only person who's got the direct connection, and everyone believes you. Okay. And I'll um, do it next year. It's that like, simple. Jill. Yeah. It's very easy. <laughs> so. You can do that. <laughs> <laughs> I said, tell you. Can you can do it. What about a Bob Drew? She's thinking about it very. Second always, in always business the, ideas. The messenger. One. What's that? You can be the messenger. I'll be the second in command guy, just like in real life. Yeah, I think I just heard something. <laughs> I think somebody just somebody just spoke to me. <laughs> what is it? I feel Wait, like I got I could it. Be the I got it. Head. No, <laughs> this is this is the this is the uh, the the bureau right here. Yeah, this is where it all uh, began. And someday uh, they'll study this room and talk about this room and where it all began, like L. Ron Hubbard. Look, hey, uh, who so, lived in this neighborhood, by the way, at one time. He did. Yes. Oh, that's Very right. Briefly. When he was, when he was a writer, uh, uh, he was a writer. When he was a demon worshiper. Yeah. Yeah. JPL with uh, you know about that, right? A little bit with Parsons. This guy Jack Parsons. Mm-hmm. Yes. So there's been cults around forever. None of them have ever. Now here's an interesting thing about cults, and we talked about this. The Manson family is a very small cult. There's only like 40 followers. It's the most famous cult in history. There are cults that have millions of followers, Drew. That we've never heard of. That we've never heard of. I know. Crazy. I know. It's weird. So she's doing a TV show about it. It's going to be great. No, cults scare the hell out of me. They generally, the, the fact that people will do, uh, Mike Carano, remember we, we, who we interviewed here, I don't know what episode it is, maybe you know, he was uh, raised in a cult. Oh, yeah. He was talking about that. Yeah. You know him. He's a comedian. Mike you know Carano. Mike Carano. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He was raised we're in faced, a cult. Really? Yeah. What was the explains core a lot, belief? doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're <laughs> Facebook friends. I'm like, I'm never talking to that guy. No, just kidding. What What was their core belief? What was uh, the? Do you remember? It wasn't the. Se- well, it wasn't a sex one. Most of them. A lot of times, they always end up with sex or always. Sex, right? Oh yeah, sex. yeah. The leader always. having sex Seminars. with young girls. Cinnanon. Somebody's doing a show tried, right now on HBO about what's that? Cinnanon. What is that? The, that Cinnanon was the drug was program the drug where program. they put the snake in the mailbox to try to kill the guy no, that no, was no. going to... That's Narconon. Oh, no. It's Cinnanon. Cinnanon was the group that were offshoot of, of AA. They were all heroin addicts. Yeah. They are jazz. In musicians. Venice. They were in and Venice. And they started this... Uh, they all were in the Pritikin building, which became is now a hotel. Yeah. And they, um, they broke off and formed a... A, a, a cult. A, a cult that was... Uh, very profitable quite profitable getting people off of junk but they um it became more and more of a you know single personality led messianic cult group and it became they had this thing called the game which i actually i played the game once i went down to synanon you went down there and did it yeah and and what is it what happens wait Um, wait were you doing it for out of curiosity or were you like seeking or did you want to? I would do, I, yeah. Well, when I was young, we would just oh, go yeah, to yeah. Venice Beach and do whatever the fuck, you know. Yeah, it's like cool, and and it was considered to be, you know, on the real cutting psychological cutting edge. That's so what was the game. Uh, the game was where you spoke with ostensible complete honesty, yeah, and revealed your true self, yeah. But you had a board that had a list of emotions, so you'd have to say, "I'm feeling 
and then go up and look up at the board. Oh, these guys, this, oh, these guys. You have to be honest, but it's with codified. what we write for you. <laughs> yeah, well, you have to be guys, honest, but these, our way. These are the guys that eventually made Aston Lifespring and all that stuff, right? Yeah, la- Landmark Forum, landmark, all that. All, these, they started with the Synanon stuff. No, the Synanon thing is a separate thing, but it is, but it all comes out of the same, yeah. the same basic, yes. Which is this weird... Sort of get to the truth. Thing. Yeah, but it's a distortion of psychological ideas in a group setting where they make people have these intense experiences that are based on psychological principles. And the conceit is that if you discharge these emotions, they'll disappear instead of re-traumatize you, which is really what happens, right? It's very similar to. Um, that was the seventies. Uh, now were everybody's all about that. going. Now everyone takes ayahuasca. Oh God! Do you yeah, hear what they're talking Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have yeah, you that, done it yet? No. No, it's, it's going to hurt. I, no, I didn't hear Amber. about it until I already got sober. Yeah, so no, a lot like, of sober people are doing it. Really? It's not a drug. That's no. the last really. thing we need, right? Oh. If they don't if they don't end up on pain meds for hurting their shoulder, they're going to now take this spiritual thing. Is people it People are going down to Mexico. No, not, it's not like addictive. a hallucinogen. Only if you yeah. do it all the time. Yeah. I Probably not, it it, but, but it might trigger something. You know, you don't know. We don't know it could trigger something. But, but I'm not really worried about it being addictive. I'm worried about people hurting themselves. Well, I, mean, Drew, these, I have a question for you that's come up quite before frequently. You ask it, before you ask, I would just say these are the same people that won't let their kids play football because they might get a head injury. They're whacking themselves over the head with this stuff 40 times harder than a concussion you're going to get playing football. Oh, really? Oh, yes. Well, let me ask don't you Don't you this. remember all the people used to see at Lost and Seen? I'm not the... into it. I just like to watch. I'm like Chauncey Gardner. I hear all <laughs> this stuff. I listen. I'm but interested in things. See, but they're asking problems. me if they're still sober. Um, I say yes. I'd say yes, too. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. look at her not Amber. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see me? I'm such Wait, what an about, alcoholic. What about ecstasy? Well, uh, no. Ecstasy. No, ecstasy. No. No. No, so it's only... ayahuasca. So it's a, it's a head. It's well, a the way I use logic to reason everything out, right? Bill Wilson took 50... Uh, it's acid. It's times he took acid. He did. Yeah. LSD under doctor's care. Oh. Um, in those original Hoffman type things, yeah. right? He still considered himself sober. I believe somebody that goes to Costa Rica or Mexico to have one of these one-time they, they single don't to, experiences. They don't have to do it here. This is happening is, in West Los Angeles all the time now. No. They're doing it here. The people yes. I know go to... They're doing it here now. I'm telling you, they're doing it here. Probably they really go expensive. Yeah. Chelsea Handler did it on her show. <laughs> I saw oh, it. my God. Yeah, yeah, That was she actually did it what intrigued me. Well, here's what intrigued me about that is they went through all this stuff to get it. One, There were three of them. Chelsea had no experience. The one girl, uh, Jenny Mullins, had kind of a positive experience. The guy had a worse experience of his life. So 66% of the people had nothing or a horrible experience, and they injured themselves in the process. Why do that? Because you know why? Because the one out of three that has a great experience goes running around AA telling everybody. I I understand that. Chelsea did it again, though. (laughs) That was for TV. You could tell that was a TV movie. Really? It's totally true. (gasps) I totally bought it. Think about that, Drew. She she had producers going, it was good. It was good, right? It was good. Uh, You had a great experience. You could tell. I saw her crying and like thinking about her sister. I'm such a sucker. Well, she did it a second time and she's had this epiphany. Maybe. Maybe. That she was Maybe. mean to her sister. He, he, She's yeah. mean to everybody. <laughs> yeah, I know. Was that an epiphany for her? It was like you picked one person. <laughs> and, and, and it's epiphany. the same question I have to everybody. How, how does it change your life? Tell me exactly how your life's different now. Well, I just see things. It, 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 that's your amygdala firing off differently. Was it worth having your amygdala fire a little more so colors are a little brighter and stuff? That you injured yourself? It's worth it? Your brain is a, is a perfect instrument. Perfect. 
you fuck with it in ways that can injure it. You're just asking for trouble. I, you and I have had this long conversation with Duncan Trussell, right? Yeah. And you know I'm open to this stuff. I'm, I'm very open to the ideas of it. I just worry that to what what are you doing? Duncan makes sense to me because he's he knows what he's doing. He knows why he's doing it. He has purposefulness behind it. He's thoughtful. He's using it. Okay, it's worth the risk for him, right? For the average person, they don't know what the hell they're doing. They don't know why they're doing it. Yeah, and but I think everyone family. just wants a quick fix. They want like a yeah. quick answer. It's the yeah. same, I think, as like doing heroin or anything else, especially if you're like seeking an experience. But I think... All right, Amber, what's your story? Where was the trauma? What? What? Come on now. <laughs> Come on. What are you... Ta- what, what specifically? I don't know. Who didn't you treat you right early on in up. life? Oh, That's God. where we're going to, right here. Oh, God. I, I just need to go like page 28. Start at page 28 and I'll find yeah, it. Yeah, read a sentence and then I'll, <laughs> I'll riff off of it. Um, I don't know. Well, it's just weird because we just changed the topic so I quickly. Did. I did. It's the way we do well, it. Well, no, it's people seeking. <laughs> see, what they're seeking, what people are seeking is that you said a quick fix. They're, they're trying to... To seek a quick fix on all these relief, like all these markers that are in their psyche from trauma, right? And they play out. And you got to what I've learned. I got. I have to do is just watch how they play out in my perception of things, in what I like, what I gravitate towards, rather than keep thinking it's something that's either behind me and doesn't affect me in any way, or it's something I need to be more spiritual and eat better and do yoga and meditate more so I can get rid of this empty feeling or work the steps, right. you know what I mean, or do this or do that excessively. It's more to just see and connect the dots of how your trauma in childhood actually is you and how it actuates in the, in the relationships you have and how you see the world. Right, mm-hmm. so I'm antisocial. I'm very aware of it. Mm-hmm. Right, I try to do the right thing. Though I talked on the telephone for one hour Today. all the way driving here. I that was good. No ticket. I know it's good. But if I got a ticket, we talked about this a couple of shows ago. <laughs> I get pulled over sometimes, and they go, "If it's somebody that watched Celebrity Rehab, they go, hey, are you the Doctor Drew guy?'" And I go, "I sure <laughs> the hell am. If it means anything to you." Do they not give you they, the ticket? Two times they have not given me a oh, ticket. Man. So then I tell Drew this story, and he goes, he starts getting really quiet. (laughs) He never gets a ticket because he's Dr. Dre. (laughs) No, I get him. No, no, I get him, but I feel guilty. You feel triumphant. I feel guilty. Uh, He feels triumphant when he doesn't get it. Can you imagine a cop giving Dr. Drew a ticket? That's never going to happen. How many times have you gotten off? Off? Yeah. Probably about four. four. <laughs> How many times do you got speeding? speeding? Hey, by the way, speeding. One, one fucking time. One time, by the way, when I was not knee, it was Adam Carolla. Oh, that'll the, get you off. Yeah, guy with a big, huge heart patrolman standing over me. I was like, I don't even know. But just, whatever you got to do, man. And he goes, yeah, you're going to 84. And he goes, uh, you know, and when we have our uh, yearly events, Adam Carolla comes up and makes us happy for a couple hours. <laughs> And I really like him. And I'm Pretty thinking, fast. oh my God, he's going to let me off. I can't believe it. <laughs> benefit show for the police, police athletic league. And he goes, I really appreciate you slowing down. I'm like, oh my God, I love you. Really appreciate it. Then I feel like guilt and shit for the next three days. <laughs> and I go 54 miles an hour. Uh, so you are a Jew. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Amber, so uh, can you talk about it? You don't have to talk what, about it. What, my Yeah. I grew up in uh, Pueblo, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Aha! I know. I'm there sorry. you go. There's the trauma. Um, so you were I a guess- hip you know knew what was going on in the world, and you're trapped in Pueblo, 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 Pueblo. Colorado. Right? Yeah. 
No, I mean, I was there from zero to 21. I know. So when you were 14, you heard what band or read what book? Um, Aerosmith. Aerosmith. I loved Aerosmith. I was a big, like, Chicago, like, sports. I was a tomboy, so I was into sports and... You know, Madonna. I loved Madonna. I was I was loving your Madonna stories. Um, I don't know. I was just sort. It's sort of a lower middle class, mid sized city, and my parents owned a restaurant. And uh, um, I guess bar or restaurant. Bar. It started off as a bar, uh-huh. and then my mom um, added food. Added food. She was like, "Let's use this kitchen." I and I loved it. I loved having a bar. One of my like. My parents were my biological father. They were married from when I was born, and they got a divorce when I was nine. But those, like, it started off as a really divey bar, and then my mom came up with this pizza recipe, and I got super, super busy. So it sort of she's she's sort of a badass, but um, I don't know. It just became this really popular restaurant, but I just I was always surrounded by boozers, and my dad was a closeted alcoholic. He never came out of his bedroom. Mm. Um, and my mom started to run the business and he became more and more they fighting. Um, not really like it, there was just like a lot of silence, but Anger. I, I sort of liked it when they were fighting because mm. I got information about what was going on. Cause I had no idea. I just knew that my dad was super messed up and my mom was a workaholic. Mm. So she started, um, they started sleeping in separate rooms and Whenever they were arguing, I was like, yes. And I would listen just so I could understand what the what the hell the problem was. Because he was just, um, he, I don't know. What I, happened it was just with like, him? What happened with him? Well, he, when I was three, he was in a, he was an alcoholic, but he was a binge drinker. So he'd go on dry spells. And my mom told me this later, but he would drink and then go on dry spells. But when I was three, he was in a car accident and he was drunk and the other driver was drunk so it was like so and it was the 70s so even no 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 he, ticket they were patting yeah. the back you guys get yourself home yeah. <laughs> yeah, you boys I, go on home i was probably in the back seat in, with, <laughs> with, with a, no yeah, seatbelt no seatbelt or car seat i don't know but car seat in the 70s <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> So, I don't know. He was in a body cast and after that for a bit. So, he spun into like a serious depression after that. And I didn't know all this when I was like, I had to, I was too young to remember. But all I remember is him being just never coming out of his bedroom. And when he did, he was really grumpy. And I hated him. I hated him so much. Oh, there you go. Um, So, there you go. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of successful relationships after that. Oh my God! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I was just uh, no. I've it's been it's been horrible. It's been so bad, but I'm really good at being single, and I'm and I'm happy being single. I went to lunch. Do you guys know Paul Gilmartin? He does the Mental Pod, Mental Illness Happy Hour podcast. Uh, yes, I do. I did that. Uh, yeah, I did that. yeah. I think Paul's been on my podcast. Probably. Yeah. You guys are. Pro- yeah, he's yeah. funny. He does he's it out great. In the, out in the valley, right on off of Van Nuys Boulevard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I will. I did his podcast two years ago, but I just had coffee with him last week, and he's telling me he's like, "You're a love anorexic," and or what is is that what it's called? Yeah, love anorexic. Yeah. Um. And what is wow, it well, there's, there's that's a, some L.A. psycho babble right there. Well, no, there's, Isn't it's, it? It's, Sharon, it's, come on. It's really more. Talk. It's really more in the context of sex. <laughs> is that you? You can be if you can be a sex addict, and then you can be bipolar with sex, or you can be anorectic to sex. 
Oh, yeah, sex yeah. anorexic. Is that what yeah. used to be, frigid? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> frigid? A cold <laughs> frigid. bitch. A cold bitch. Um, awesome. <laughs> what? No. No, we're fine. We're but that's what I, I don't want to be labeled anything. I'm like, is there a group of people where it's like you're okay Who being don't have single sex and don't have relationships? No, I like sex and stuff, but it's like I don't care. I am honestly happy single. And he was trying to talk me into being like, you have a fear of commitment. I was like, I don't care if I have a fear of commitment. I honestly, I don't give a shit. I don't, I'm happy. Like, That's acceptance. Do you get into that in the book? Sober stick figure? Sober stick figure, yeah. Well, there's a thing where I'm like, I, I write where I think I'm going to meet my soulmate or whatever when I'm 60. Like, I truly well, believe. that's interesting. That you still have like 30 years. Yeah. That's so yeah. long. Yeah. I know someone who just did that. Like, yeah. uh, like, why not? Why it do could I be have a she, to... too. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, nice. <laughs> what? It just because I'm wearing, like, a flannel, you think I'm, I'm gay? Just, no, <laughs> I am 30% that, gay. I'm, not I'm that, wearing flannel. I'm saying that. You're a Birkenstock, <laughs> aren't you? Your top review is from uh, Tignataro. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying because it, because you. Know, I'm saying because a lot of women. You mentioned that age group. A lot of women find other women in their 60s. Oh yeah, yeah, I have. I'm almost 40, and a lot of my friends are like starting to date women just because they they feel They're like better. they have no choice. No, no, you have a whole Susan has a whole theory about this. Can you give her a mic? Oh yeah, what you got? I'm back. Um, well, the hormones change when you go into your 40s, and you are less into having sex with men and a lot of women like leave their husbands. Well, you said you're less into reproducing. That reproducing right. You don't reproduce thing. anymore. They, I mean, I found that when I was trying to reproduce, I wanted to have more sex. And then after I realized I didn't have to repro- reproduce anymore, I didn't really want to have sex anymore. And then I noticed that a lot of women in their 40s leave their husbands and then they have like mates <laughs> they move out with their girlfriends and then they become because the like the golden the, girls. There's more intimacy. No there's more intimacy. Yeah, it's more intimate. Females, yeah. I don't know. I just noticed that. And I was like, well, and then, you know, I found at my age, I have a lot more women hitting on me than I did when I was younger. It's really weird. Wow. But, well, then, but then you added testosterone back and it. Yeah. So now I'm more like a guy. So my girlfriends in. want me more. <laughs> but, then, <laughs> but then, yeah, I get hit on by more of my girlfriends than guys. But, um, but so also during your reproductive phase, you wanted specifically. I wanted to have sex a lot. Cock. Well, that's like biological. Definitely yeah. cock. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Whatever like would get science. me pregnant. You yeah. said I could say yeah. cock. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Bio, I do now. I, 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 I can't, can't wait till I'm I... super ugly. And I honestly cannot wait till it's we'll not happen. even an option. What like, is that? Sex? Well, let, yeah. That's mm. I, honestly. That's hormonal, I think. I mean, and also, you know what? Um, not all women want to have sex all the time. It's, yeah, men don't understand that. <laughs> men don't understand that women don't care if they have sex all the time. Like, it, yeah. it's, I mean, when I, I was understand that. when I was re- really boys don't yeah. reintroduced to hormones, and I became a man. I have more testosterone than Drew now. How dare you? You can tell by my low voice. <laughs> I used to be a soprano, by the way, and um, I just you know I have a drive that I see that men have like on a different level so but women as a woman i was like well, I, I could take it or leave it i was like yeah whatever but unfortunately i was married to drew his very passionate man and i had to i had Keep to up. Uh, step up <laughs> and right? bring it <laughs> so anyways all right, all right, we got no, it. but i see what you're saying that you know you just would like 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 be chained to your libido is is really you know Pl- plato one of the platonic uh socratic uh what do they call them the chapters uh-huh. he's interviewing an old man and he goes what's it Socrates what's it like being old and the guy goes well you know 
first of all, you have more money, so it's bad, it's good. <laughs> And you're not driven by sex anymore. That's really a relief. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what's good about being old. This guy tells Plato. You don't have, right? yeah. have to get it up anymore. Yeah. Well, you're not interested. You're not driven. You're not preoccupied. Well, yeah, yeah, because it's it's all you guys think about. Like I've talked to guys, and they say they can't. They don't like men in their late. My friends who are in their late thirties. I talked to a friend of mine. And he's like, I can't. He goes, I want it to go away. He he was in a loving relationship with a girl, and he had this example. He's like, I love my girlfriend. I'm in love with her. He said, I see this woman on the street. She's not that great looking. She's sort of medium. And my first thought was like, Yeah, I'd have sex with her. And then he was like mad at himself. He's like, Why did I have to think that? Is that Fred Stoller? Did Fred actually say that? No. <laughs> Fred would never have that self-awareness Amber, about him. Ever Fred everybody's. Oh yeah. yeah. Um when you were when you were in your addictive uh when you were in your addiction were you very sexual? Um I I was pretty promiscuous but I would I would seriously I wouldn't go all the way. I was really I would blue ball guys all the time cuz I was raised Catholic. Is that a Colorado so thing? I had, no, I think it was a Catholic thing. I was felt so guilty about sex. So I would go and fool around and then blue ball them and be like laters. But then I was in um a relationship for 4 years and I was pretty faithful. Like we Practically pretty, 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 pretty. Cool. <laughs> Sorta. That's a new term. Well, I made out. I made out with guys at bars while we were still. At the, but we were breaking up all the time, so oh it was those gosh. like four years of on and off. So whenever we would was that here in L.A., you seem to jump around no, a lot. I'm looking at New York, York, Victoria, Queens. You like to get around. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, I moved to New York when I was 21, just like to do stand up. Um, no. Well, no. Oh, do we have to stop? No. Um, well, listening. Oh. What do you do? She's <laughs> signaling to you. It's a producer signaling. Let's take, take a break. break. I'll take a break. Be right back. All conversations and information exchanged during participation in the This Life with Dr. Drew and Bob Forrest podcast or interaction with drdrew.com website is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction per se. Nothing on these podcasts or posted on this site supplements or supersedes the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the sites or podcasts. Welcome back. Watch this. We're back. We're back. Welcome back to this life. <laughs> Bob is actually with us now. He's no longer yeah, driving, I'm here, which is I'm great. Here. Sharon has kindly stayed with us. Looking through this book. And we've got, uh, of course, Amber with us. The fig, sober stick figure is out, I'm assuming, iTunes? May 31st. May 31st. Okay, so you can Doctor Drew, Doctor Drew, Doctor Drew. Right, but you can find this life. We we have this life podcast dot com, right? Yes. We have this life podcast dot com. We have Doctor Drew dot com website. Amber Ambertozer dot com. Tozer T O Z E R. We're sure going to have Doctor Drew not rehab not. review. Doctor Drew and Adam are five. Yes, please. Uh, yeah, do me a favor. For those of you this life uh, listeners, uh, I stopped doing Loveline this week after thirty plus years, oh. thirty three years. Oh. Or we a few weeks ago, and uh, Adam Kroll and I jacked up our podcast to daily. So we, he and I are doing five days a week. So check out the Adam and Doctor Drew show, and uh, he he and I have sort of found our stride again. It, it was it took about three or four days when Adam was like uh, caustic and acerbic and irritable and angry. Did you listen Nate, to some of that? Isn't that yeah. what works? No, he's got we 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 have a rhythm that we get back into, and I, I was aware of it by the day by like day six that we were back in it. And it's a certain thing, and it's focusing on other people, frankly, that really gets us out of. 
his anger and irritability. <laughs> and I like talking to other people and focusing on their stuff. So it's a very call-based, very problem-oriented, solution-oriented kind of conversations. But you take calls on it? Take calls, lots of calls. So he gets angry at calls because no, people no, are so no. stupid. No, no. He, 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 when That's he left his own... been his thing. Yeah, he gets a little bit of that still, but he's actually pretty compassionate to people. that he, Really? He, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike would actually get more upset with the callers. Mike Catherwood, when we were doing it on, on camera. Well, that became, well, I think that was just everybody was burnt out. That may be. Yeah. That may be. So let's get back to, so why, why, Amber, do you move around so much? I didn't move around that much. I was from in New York. Colorado from seven, to New York to LA. Yeah, but I was, I, New York for seven years, LA for 10. Oh, okay. That's not, that's pretty normal. But no, but in right? here, I just saw you were in different parts. It said you were moving to Astoria, Queens, like it was moving back to New York or something. Oh, My I new moved. room in Astoria, Queens. Why would you note that? Well, I moved to Queens, which well, is that, in is New York. <laughs> Queens is in New York. Moving from Manhattan to Queens is a big no, deal? No, I moved from Colorado oh, to oh. Queens. He's reading my book backwards. I mean... <laughs> No, I know where Queens is. I just thought you had already lived in New York. No, I, I moved from Colorado to Astoria, to Brooklyn, to L.A. And are these all your pictures in this? Yeah, I drew They're all fun. of those pictures. All the stick figures. Cool. Yeah. They're very cool. Thank you. So did you? So so you went there not to be a stand-up? No, I started doing stand-up two years after. I think I wanted to be a comedic actress, but I didn't tell anybody it was, and I had a business degree, and so I sort of, sn- I was like, oh, I'm just going to go to New York because there's a lot of opportunities, but I was really, um, I don't know why I was afraid to admit that I wanted to be a comedic actress, because I had never done any acting in my entire life, but then I sort of, um, I was working at, at a bunch of dot-coms, because it was 1999, and there were tons of jobs. It was like, it, it, it was booming. There were so many jobs for college graduates. So I found work pretty easily. And then um, I I started drinking a lot and I sort of fell into the comedy scene and I became obsessed with stand-up and I would go to shows every single night and then eventually I started doing it. In the village? Uh, pretty much everywhere. I, I really liked the alternative scene, but uh, there was a show, Luna Lounge, called eating it um every monday night on that the I lower would, east side yeah, yeah 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 i went there on ludlow street yeah yeah it was my favorite show and you know like mark Marin and janine groff yeah janine lives yeah, there yeah yeah so i just i That's became south of houston right down by where the what was that club the living room yeah that's where yeah, it, yeah. and there was a grilled cheese place yeah oh my god i was down there then i lived in new york when Bush won the election. I was living in New York. Which, when was which, that? Which the election? first one? Is that which second Bush first election? 2000. I was there yeah. that night. Jesus. I went to sleep. I remember. I lived at 1st and 6th Avenue. Just right by. You would have been in the middle of World Trade Center mess. I know. I would have, but I moved back. Yeah. But I was living there, and I went to sleep, and, and, and Gore had won Florida, and James oh, Carville yeah. had said, whoever wins Florida is going to win the election. It was like 3 o'clock in the morning. I went to sleep. With George, Al Gore was my president. Yeah. I woke up the next day, and all hell had broken loose. We were you living there then? You must have been there. Yeah, I was in. I think I was in Brooklyn then. Uh, were you still? How long have you been sober? Twenty years this year. Twenty years in a couple months. Oh, okay. How about you? Eight years. Just celebrated eight in March. Where did you? Did you get sober here then? Yeah, I got sober. I tried in New York, but I couldn't do it. I wasn't ready, and I, I. I think I got about six months. I dry. Oh wow! Oh, and going to meetings or no? No, I went to one. It was 
it freaked me out. I was like, I'm not going to do this. And then I quit comedy. I quit everything. I would just go to work and go home. But you I quit comedy and you quit drinking? Well, for the six months I had dry. And then I qu- started drinking again, moved to L.A., drank for another two years. And then I quit and then got in the program. Okay. What's yeah, with yeah, this yeah. cartoon? Hello, I'm a woman. Wait. I'm looking for a woman who will pay half the rent and also have sex with me. Oh. Was, that your, was that your Craigslist post? That, that was uh, my first roommate in Astoria, Queens. I found him in the Loot magazine. He was this guy from Columbia, and he had a nice two-bedroom in Astoria. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I've interviewed 30 people, and you're my favorite. And uh, I was like, great, I'll take the room. Like, I was like 21, really stupid. I was like, I'll take the room. And then he just, nothing bad happened, thank God, but he ended up. Um, Assaulting. That's a love letter in Spanish that he wrote to me. Oh my gosh. Um, we, we don't know what you're looking at. It's pictures from my book. My book is sort of like Diary of a Wimpy Kid, but for adults. So on each page, there's an illustration. So we're, that's cool. what we're referencing. But, is um, that what you wanted to talk about today? Was the book, or was there other things? No, I just wanted to bring it. Thank you. No, I don't care what we talk about. Okay. I just wanted a few other stuff you wanted to get into. Cause no, we're sort of still. The, I, and the Prince thing is still on my mind because it was so. It's been it's so disturbing. The way he died and the implications of it all in terms of how addicts it's are treated gonna, and stuff and how dependency it, it, is treated and the chronic pain thing and the overuse of opiates. You got to go out there and fight the good I'm, fight. I'm out there. Listen, I got listen, four this morning and then did tarnish our industry as if it's not tarnished enough. Bob, forget This guy's tarnished. an expert about I, addiction. I know. I was happy. I thought to myself, I'm so grateful I'm not deep in it now. I'm not in the field. You know, I'm not running a program right now because I wouldn't want to be a part of it. I wouldn't... Anything that's... That's an expert. You know, but Amber, do you know what came out today? That he was that being treated recently, by an addictionologist. What? Prince. Was it the guy who was writing um, prescriptions yeah, for him? Well, oh, no. I don't know about that. But no, it was the guy who was going to get him off drugs. Okay. Or maybe on Suboxone and keep him on Suboxone. Who the hell knows? Remember Bruce, when Dr. Bruce, you've aired the Dr. Bruce episode yet? Yeah, it's coming up. He convinced us that Suboxone was a reasonable treatment for an untreatable opioid addict on, on with chronic pain. So somebody, well, that's what Prince was, supposedly. Well, you could argue, but I, I, I would argue that if you could get him off opiates, you'd find out if he was an addict or not. He'd either stop and be weird again, mm-hmm. or he would continue to pursue it. You know so what I mean? wait, what happened? What did they determine that... That the, the guy who found him dead was the son of an addictionologist doctor from California. Oh who, to me, Is I don't care what you say. That's a sober companion, Drew. I deal with that stuff all the time. But is addictionologist actually yeah, a word? It's an actual I'm, I'm an word. Addictionologist. Drew's addictionologist. an ag- addictionologist. Yeah. That's a cool word. Isn't it a good one? Addictionologist. But if this guy is, this cornfield guy is it, then well, we're all screwed. Yeah. It's just all the opiate <laughs> replacement stuff, you know. Pain, pain, pain. And all, I, I'll never forget I was at, a, we were required by the state of California, we are required to take a certain amount of pain management uh, hours of continuing medical education. And it's all about how to prescribe opiates. I mean, it's all it's ever been. And I'll never forget the first one I went to was hugely attended because we all had to go. All the physicians had to go. And if a pain management psychiatrist doctor gets up there and goes, well, pain, you know, chronic pain patients are a special population. Uh, interesting thing about them, 97% of them are severe trauma survivors. Anyway, let's talk about methadone. And it's, like, <laughs> it's like, what? You can just skip over that? And they don't even go at the underlying mechanism, which is the somatic preoccupations that grow out of trauma when you're giving the pain scale when you're asking a patient a pain scale i've I've seen it but i can't remember and you've got to at least give them some sort of idea of what 10 is in relation to pain pain worst pain you've ever felt it's that face 
Yeah, no, that's that's the that's the scale that we use. The nursing uses to to sort of document the level. I love of pain. that face. Oh, the, the facial expressions, the ten, ten faces. Remember, yeah. now, we like, live in the time one? of patient satisfaction surveys. Doctors' jobs are dependent on patient satisfaction. What of our? How, what percentage of our patients were satisfied when they were in the middle of our treatment? Zero. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, the, and, the, I, I have this question. I was saying we were talking about this right before the break or before we came on here, which is that. On this website, I'm on the the Addicts Mom, which has yeah, seventy thousand women on that, it. Yeah, um, women. It's it's people talking about their children being homeless and lost and addicted, Terrible. and it's all heroin and, yeah. and opioids, and and they are praying. They they call. They ask people to pray mm. that their kid will get arrested. Oh, I, absolutely. Because they cannot get them but into they're not rehab. going to be they arrested. They can't find a bed for them. They can't find... But some of them get arrested and they're like a hallelujah I understand why the parents don't have the kid arrested. Call the cops the and go... The cops don't arrest people anymore. Uh, I'm telling you. They're, it's they're, really we, hard. We, we have a movement of anti-incarceration that's yeah, starting yeah, in this yeah. in California this for sure. This is exactly what we're just ab- talking about. Yeah. Is that everyone is talking about mass incarceration and how to reduce it. And the first thing people talk about is decriminalizing Drug yeah. drugs. Yeah. And I, my husband was saying that to me. That's yeah. what we need to do. And I said, well, I... I in some sense, I agree with you, yeah. but I'm telling you, these women are are in so much pain, and they're begging for their kids to get arrested because they can't they can't afford. You want a simple to send Trump them to solution? You want a simple Trump Kill solution? Them. Send them to Mexico because everybody likes yeah. simple shit these days. And I heard it at first. I was like, "That's never going to happen." But convert the prison system in California into drug treatment, since seventy percent of those incarcerated are drug addicts or alcoholics. You know why something. that wouldn't happen? convert it and have you be sentenced to drug treatment for two years or whatever it is i guarantee you to have a more positive effect I'll tell than you what sentencing them to prison or having them go in and out of drug treatment for 30 or 60 days i, I, I agree with you bob however the actual cost of delivering that kind of service would be five to ten times what we're spending on prisons right now so it's all it's, about money. Well, there's, who, well, Donald's going to build a wall for ten billion dollars, and the Mexicans so we'll get the Mexicans to pay for it. You and I know, <laughs> you and I know the treatment of of drug, the abstinence-based treatment of drug addicts requires inspired, highly trained, highly motivated people, and there's just not enough of them around. You can't pay them to do it. That's why twelve step is so important because unpaid professionals need to sit on the patient for the first few months of their disease of their recovery. And you can't have a professional do that. You need people who've been where they've been and understand what's going on and just sit on them. But there's a but there's a lot of people working in for profit rehabs that aren't really crazy about the recovery industry in general. You change the the judicial system and the way people are sentenced and what they're sentenced to, those people would migrate away from greedy profiteering rehab centers to go work with the population. Maybe, maybe. I think they really would. Yeah, maybe. I think you could get good yeah. people to work in the treatment That's centers. Because every day I talk to they the might burn professionals out, who don't like where they work. Yep. They don't like that money is over mission. Yep. They, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I think there's a way for us to solve this problem in a really intelligent adult way, but it'll never happen because we don't do anything really intelligent and really adult-like in this country at all. And you know that, Drew. Mm-hmm. Well. I think people still don't view drug addiction as a disease. Right. They still think it's, it's a, a lack of character. Why do they character. think all those people are in prison? They think they have a lack of character. Yeah. 
Well, they certainly behave as though they did when they're in their disease. And that's mm-hmm. the problem. People don't see the recoveries. They they only see people when they're misbehaving in their condition. They don't understand what the person was before or what they could be later. You know, Amber mentioned something that's critical because I deal with addicts that do get a chance of getting sober. You know I do, Sharon. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes, I do. And at I've the seen- six-month <laughs> point, jobs are crucial to the next step of the ladder and you said in 1999 there was nothing but jobs i remember that too Mm -hmm. you know i went from dishwasher to prep cook to messenger for a movie company to to um like program director of a rehab center in about four years going to school and working there's not pathways to success like that for young people anymore. And I think that's another reason why young people are so prone to this hopelessness and this kind of, you know, because you said you're a college graduate and there's all these jobs. There's a lot of college graduate kids that I counsel. There's no jobs. You know what I mean? We need to think about that too. And and the Trumpinator, that's what I choose to call him, the Trumpinator jobs. is going to take care of that great too. Because he's going to bring all those jobs from China back It'd to be America. great if somebody did. <laughs> Honestly, I, I mean, no one, no one. You're can, not laughing at my Trumpinator jokes, Sharon, at I, all. Well, I'm so disturbed by the destruction <laughs> of our republic that I, it's hard for me to laugh. I'm really afraid. I, I actually live in fear now because I, I feel. Drew like, has a feeling he's he's a liberal, just playing the playing the card. We want to talk about that. Well, we he's hope actually that would be, that would be I, a I nice think he, fantasy. I think he's he's such a pragmatist. He will do. He, People, I was talking about this on the radio today. Is like, wh- when did the term pivot become a not just a it becomes a, a word of admiration? We used to call that lying. <laughs> we, used to, we used to call that being a politician. It's like we'll see where he pivots. So, well, what was he telling us before? And and by the way, the pivoting is not unique to him. It's all these politicians. Oh, but and, I think he's going to pivot left of Hillary. I agree. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna go on what? On I think he's gonna pardon all the immigrants. It's all in action. Don't be scared. It's all in action. He was gonna say. He literally said out loud that women who had abortions should go to jail. He wanted to get elected. Until, the only until, way out until he got the, the base, Republican nomination. That's the and base over. of the Republican yeah, Party. That's yeah. what they believe. Yeah. You can't say that out loud. <laughs> you <laughs> not you really come back from that. No, what he said was, what he, what, he got tricked in a little bit. I, listen, I'm not an apologist for Trump, trust me. But what he said was is that they should be punished in, in places where it's illegal. But not the men. Well, wait a minute. But where, where it's illegal, what happens to women that get that have abortions? They get punished. That's what happens. It's legal, and when you break the law, you get a punishment. And that's what he was talking about. That they yeah, actually no. He was saying the, it should doctors, be illegal. The doctors and nurses get punished. The no. people who perform it get punished. Not really, they get shot. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> they get what? <laughs> they get shot. shot. <laughs> uh, but but listen. So I, I, this is I I agree with you. It's going to be a pivot, and who knows what? I think it's going to pardon all the immigrants. And and then say, okay, you're all in here? We're all on board? Okay, now build the wall. <laughs> something, like, something crazy like that. The, the creepy thing is that he loves Putin. He loves and himself. And Putin loves him. That's even creepier. The, the, there's, there's a lot of creepy stuff going yeah, on Putin-wise. Yeah. yeah. And then the, there's Wendy Dang in the middle of all of What's that. What's that? What is that? that? It, it, you know, Miss X, Mrs. Murdoch is now Putin's mistress. Oh, is she really what? Murdoch's ex-wife? Yeah. What? Oh yeah. my God! This is my husband is fascinated. You're He's kidding. like he wants to do a film about. It. Is that true? How do you find out? This is this is what everyone has been talking about. That that she's been on. Putin's best friend is 
I forget his name. He's a uh, he has a he's his yacht is always parked near Putin, <laughs> so they're always together. Wow. And Wendy uh, was staying on the yacht, and everyone. Putin was always there, and some and people began to speculate what oh, was going let's on. Let's study Wendy Murdoch's psychopathology wow, for a second. She comes crazy. from the hinterlands of China, gets educated, becomes an executive media person. Wait, meets wait, Murdoch marries the, him. She was working on the fucking factory line when oh, she wow. met him. She was the translator. Oh my god. She's got the magic pussy. <laughs> <laughs> now you get to say cock and pussy in the same podcast. I finally did it. <laughs> she must have the magic. And this look is, at this and, is then, is and then finally, finally marries, this life we're and talking. And then Murdoch goes and marries Jerry, uh, Jerry Hall, Mick Jagger's ex-wife. Yeah. It's she marries Murdoch. It's such a weird These world. are the people that most Americans admire and look up to. You These are not people to admire I, or I am, look up to in I, any we, way. We were talking about cults a few minutes ago. I, you're, I'm with inches of you convincing me that the Illuminati exists. <laughs> <laughs> and the, you know, the, you're talking about them. I have a really good Illuminati story. If I if, Just to do a really quick one. Though, I, I was doing a Drake video. It's the only video I've done in 20 years for, for Hold On. We were redoing Scarface. Oh. All of it in three minutes. Wow. And, the Coke scene, too? Uh, yeah, of course. of course. And we, um, one of the, I hired the only white guy in the video is the bad guy, of course, and he gets shot in the head. So before, right before he gets shot in the head, he, we were shooting a scene in a mansion, and he said, Sharon, I, I really got to talk to you. I really got to talk to you. It's very important. The Drake is saying this? No, no, no. Johnny, the, this actor, and I said, uh, okay. The white guy. Yeah, the white guy. And I said, okay, what's going on? And he goes, um, well, I was outside, and there's a bunch of guys out there, and, um, they're all saying that um, Drake is in the Illuminati. Oh. And, um, and, and I'm like, and he's like, is that true? Do you believe in that? And I said, are, are you, what? Are you what are you talking about? Like those, those guys like who, you know, have the blood of Jesus or something. And, and he's like, no, no, no. It's, it's Beyonce and Jay-Z and Obama oh my God. and Drake. Uh, and I'm like, no, that's not true, John. Uh, <laughs> that's absolutely just those not three. true but i was so and that guy is voting pleased. for trump i guarantee <laughs> no, no, you and that. i'm so pleased that the the pressure's off the jews <laughs> for a change for, for the change. moment i was like oh for god the, for, the not, for it's not the rothschild how it's did like, how did yeah how did it go from the jews controlling the world to the catholics i don't know how that happened catholics. over oh you mean you know because reality. the illuminati is the catholics <laughs> oh is that right it went from the jews you know for like hundreds of years it was all this oh the jews are controlling everything behind everything's body's back and and then now it's become the Catholics. No, no, now it's black people who oh, are the very black wealthy. People. Yeah, they're very wealthy black people. That's it. That's an Illuminati. That's, That's an Illuminati. Illuminati. Is that no, right? No, Illuminati is the Catholic yeah. thing. No, go. You just just do a little your little internet research. <laughs> it's a whole new Illuminati. Uh, only, only Illuminati I know is Hansy <laughs> on Howard Stern show keeps accusing Howard of being the Illuminati. That's the only yeah, real the Illuminati, Illuminati comes from the Catholic I, Church. It, That's what it comes from. I don't know. Why, listen, where are we where are we going here? We're, we're wasting our time. <laughs> I, if we were to talk about cults, though, I'd love to talk about. Because you're doing things on cults, right? Yeah. Well, I'm I, I'm there. Oh, yes. I'm doing cult things. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm, uh, was there I, sex involved in the cult? There was always. There's always sex involved. There's in the always cult, one Bob. male leader. Yeah, the um, leader. No, it was a female leader of no, this, this one. In this particular cult, um, uh, the Church Universal and Triumphant, which was led by Elizabeth Clare Prophet, who's being played by Annette Benning. The Church um, Universal and what? Triumphant. Triumphant, I like that. And uh, yeah. and they, 
uh, she was she was very young when she married uh, Mark Prophet, who was the head of the church. He was uh, 30 years older than her, and they had four children. Mm-hmm. And she never had an orgasm. I happen to know this because it's in the book. And Did she talk about that, or she talked about that with her she kids? She talked about that with her kids. And uh, what happened was is that uh, he, her, no one in the church, uh, their their sex life was very restricted. They were only allowed to have sex once a month if you were in the church. Mm-hmm. But Mark Prophet had to have sex every single night because otherwise his chakras would get blocked. <laughs> so, um, of course, Elizabeth was like, I don't want to fuck you every night anymore. It's not funny for me. And so he's like, well, what you need is to relax and get in the mood. So they formed, uh, Elizabeth's idea was to form a group called The Cube. And The Cube was four um, of their followers who lived out in the barn. And they were, interestingly all handsome young men who would give her massages and they the massages would then relax her ostensibly and make her ready to have sex with the prophet and a prophet he's both the prophet and a prophet so one of the guys and in my in my fantasy it would be all four but so far we only have proof of one um the massages led to a happy ending which was her first happy ending. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, about two months after the happy ending started, Mark Prophet had a stroke and died. Oh. And um, she, within three days, um, said to, they, they had never had intercourse. They were only just doing like massages. hand jobs. And it, massages, sorry. And then, um, <laughs> that's what I meant. And, um, and so uh, she said, you know, I'm ready, let's do it. And he's like, we can't, you know, it's against the rules. We, we can only, you know, do this massage thing and, because we're not married. And she's like, no, no, we can get married, no problem. I will, she was a channeler. She could channel the, you know, different. God? Many, many, every, all the great white brotherhood. So uh, she channeled Mother Mary and performed the marriage ceremony. Uh-huh. Uh, and On so I, I, at one point I said to Annette, you, you get to actually play Elizabeth Clare Prophet and then you marry yourself to yourself. Wow. To him. And she's like, that's going to be a She's thing. either schizophrenic or, bi- <laughs> or, or, or And 200,000 people. She was an epileptic. And 200,000 no. <laughs> people devoutly believe this stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, now, what was the epilepsy? What this do you mean? St- what was she doing? She was, a lot of these people have fictitious seizures, people like that. She had frontal lobe epilepsy from the time she was nine. Meaning what? She had, you know, tonic-clonic seizures. She had generalized seizures. She had major... She had she had seizures as a child. Mm-hmm. She somehow managed to control them for 30 years and people... Like, she would go and look like she was kind of spacing out. Right, that's And seizure. people would... People would be like, you know, they'd think she was praying or right. communicating or but something. She was and then in her 40s or 50s, she began having very, very serious tonic clonic seizures again. And uh, they got to the point where they wouldn't stop. And she finally had to get um, a medical intervention because she refused. Dilantin, it's called. She got Dilantin. And the Dilantin, when she, when she was on Dilantin, she said, I feel like I'm wearing a lead cap. I can't, I can't communicate. I can't. Well, I, I can't, can't touch it. And that is the point where she moved the church to Montana. They bought um, a giant piece of property next to Yellowstone National Park and built the world's largest bomb shelter. Oh my God! And that's still there. It is. Have you visited? 
I am not. You, can, you can't get in unless you're a church follower. So the they're church, still church there. Still exists? Oh, they're yeah. still going. Yep, some of them. Oh, oh my they're. God. But ironic. But what are they going to think of this movie, this TV show? Well, all of the prophets are are all the prophet children are out of the church. I see. And <laughs> wait um, a minute. So the the people that would know don't follow my mom. My, the other people just said, "No, fuck dead. you. We're following your mother." She got, <laughs> she got early. She was the oldest woman to ever have a child in Montana. She had a baby at fifty-five. Wow! And then she got early onset Alzheimer's at sixty, and she died at like sixty-four. Jesus. Four years she deteriorated. Yeah, fast. very God. fast. I'm sure it was happening far, far yeah, earlier. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is going to be a great show. I'm going to watch it yes. on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, it would never be on Netflix. It won't. Where is it? Showtime. Where is it going to be? It's showtime. Oh, Showtime? Yeah. It's called Universal and Triumphant. How do you, but no, I just mean binge watch. However, you can binge watch something. You can, yeah. You showtime. Can showtime, standby, flyby, you up. Get, you can come to the screening. <laughs> that, that or, or just record it, put it, like on DVR. it on DVR. DVR and then you watch it. Oh, right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which which as as three brings days me, this brings me to a really interesting question. Yeah. Uh, Sean Prophet, who's mm. the son, who, who was the business leader of the church, is now an adamant atheist, and he runs an atheist website. And he believes that twelve-step programs are uh, the biggest cult of all. Well, there, there are people, they are, but they're benign cults with no leadership and no money involved, and very little sex. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> according, according to Amber, very little sex. Yeah, it's it's uh, <laughs> first year a lot of sex, then after that, cults essentially always have leaders, right? And there's yeah, like one, you know, there's, there's one these, leader, and they carefully kept that out of the program. And I, I understand that there's a really not it's not cults not the it's right not word profit. For it. there's cult? not profit and, and you there's can not do what you, there's no there's if you definition. say I'm, I'm leaving they'd be like good luck to you all right look up the, the they don't disconnect the, the, you there's no coercion involved yeah. in look up the definition but the, but there are of cult and it fits it there's an unquestionable authority which is bill wilson and the bible which is the 12 step alcoholics anonymous there is faithful followers that that don't don't will not accept new information about the subject, right? So yeah. we know in, sci- in science a lot more now about addiction than Bill Wilson did in 1936. Right. Yet what he says goes and what science says doesn't matter. Yeah. That but unquestioning, did he say, but unquestioning he, authority. I, I think it's more like a social... What is the word? What's I'm wrong with it for? being a benign cult? Because it's not quite right. And, and the atheist piece, I know atheists get very objectionable to the God language, mm-hmm. and maybe they ought to. You know, there's certainly there are organizations that modify that. There is a chapter in the Big all. Book of Alcoholics and Mamas called "To the Wives" that is the most misogynist, ridiculous yeah, chapter. In the 30s by men. So, see, you're doing it now. You're in the cult, Amber. You're, you're, you're you know, it should be removed I am from the not text. In the cult. It should be removed. You know, they're, they're talking about revising the big book did you hear about the that? first 164 pages yeah hopefully to, to like plain language for younger people they're talking about they it. need to do Who's that they? they need to remove to the wise that's the point the, there's the no team. there's no there's no authority structure so who is yeah they? i don't there's know a, some there's people a, there's general services <laughs> that yeah. yeah gsr the gsr they were people. gonna do it in 99 i think it was the gsr and silver like and i wanted to the wives out because i'm antisocial and i think it's ridiculous 
And they were like, well, that's not what the new edition is going to be about. It's going to be about new modern stories. And I said, who fucking reads the stories? Nobody does. The Eskimos and the old people. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's the first 164 pages that are the big book of Alcoholics (laughs) Anonymous. I like the stories. No, I get get real passionate about it. I think AA is going to die unless it modernizes. I think something new will be replaced, and I'll bet you what replaces it is a cult that has a leader. Oh, boy, that's not bad. Do you know what I'm saying? No, don't that's do that. That's bad. That no. That's what's going to happen if AA doesn't modernize, because young people do not like it. AA. Mm. Contrary to what you've been told, young people would rather go anywhere but AA, and it's not just alcoholic resistance or whatever. It doesn't fit modern times the language is too outdated the over religiosity is too much 20 year old kids just look at it like this is like really fucking weird bob not like me a catholic boy raised i know what it is i know what they're talking about here i don't like it but i know what they're talking about 20 year olds do not even know what they're fucking talking about but people who need it find their way into it yeah they find their way not the way they should because there are millions of i think millions of americans are not finding a solution you know, to alcoholism but, because Alcoholics Anonymous refuses to but change. But you should know there's, there's a lot of increasing science that shows it's effective. This business about it being ineffective is false. There's That's all a lie. It's not, there's it. no way to I measure AA's effectiveness because all right? people lie. Especially when they're talking about, you know, some of the worst people I know are long-term sober people. Just terrible people. <laughs> That's what a different issue. They, so but they present, with... but they present as really healthy and really well, because you get to talk and say how well you're doing. But what's going on really? Because I'm the one they come to when and tell me what's going on really. Well, but you know, well, I go to meetings all the time, and there's people talking about what's going on really. Yeah, and like I, I've had a different experience with with meetings and people. I agree with you that they do need to modernize, but I also think like you know it's ineffective like how do they gain that that data like if you tried one meeting it doesn't work like no he's saying that they did that data and it works magically on the brain i'm saying saying there's good data that suggests it works and works well but uh, yeah he's saying there's i'm talking about the data that says it works and works well i'm saying those people that were analyzed lie but all addicts lie all all, human beings lie. but listen so all addiction research is colored by those issues and so interestingly the 12-step research is actually more honest and more stringent than most of the stuff done i can on just sub- tell you that the most popular way to market a rehab is to say you don't do 12 steps i understand that but that's, and that's because it doesn't appeal to young people who make up 70 percent no, i think it's because of it's people re- don't who don't want to admit they're alcoholics uh, I, I agree but no yeah. it's that's been kids. my experience I, I, i'm the only one that too. just worked in two rehabs today well but you're they're dealing... all 20 year old kids but they're just they in rehab all, they're i mean that's those are the people who aren't going to admit they're alcoholic they're 20 year old kids that will admit they're alcoholic but they're they're not going to seek a solution through god promising them to have their personality defects removed. They, they're more psych-savvy right. to so know that say... character defects being removed by Jesus is a little ludicrous in the 21st yeah, but, century. But, but Bob, it truly but is. But I, I don't think that, and, I, and I've done the 12 so, steps But that's what times. the program says. But I don't think Jesus removes... What God removes your character defects? Which one? The one that I understand 
the one that I removes your character defects. It's not removes it. It's sort of that's be- what the book says. You become aware and then you slowly change. This is my it's- passion. The book says you get on your knees after meditating for an hour and you ask God to remove your character flaws. That's insanity. No, let, how about how about I don't I don't take it so literal. Yeah, let me say you you wish, <laughs> but that's what it says. Bob, you wish I, I hard. Don't know. You <laughs> wish hard to be able to work diligently towards removing your character defect. How about you, that? It says. I do this thing where like I have a say jealousy or um, manipulation. I'm aware of it. I write about it. I'm like universe not like jesus like this energy please you know help me with help this. me recognize yeah. this and so when it pops up i'm like oh there it is and i make a different choice it's, it's just mm-hmm. staying outside of your head yeah it's sort of like being aware yeah. of now you're getting into pop psychology which is fine that's not aa aa well, says you pray to a monotheistic means. god that removes your character well defense. i have people extremely close to me in life <laughs> I know you who, are, who could not have been more vehement in this expression <laughs> that they could not have i spoken speak to them god. before <laughs> yes, you might have spoken to them they could not speak to god this whole thing was so offensive this big book was such bullshit two years down the line it is it is you know with a when it, when the first step has truly been yeah has truly been be gone through then there is i i i recently asked this member of my family do you think a person can get sober without a 12-step program and she said, probably, but why would you even try? And, and Bob, I would argue that... <laughs> why that would you want we're, to do we're that mincing, on your own? We're mincing words and language, and maybe the language mm-hmm. does to be modernized and adjusted. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I would, I, and I, and I, I agree. agree with you that it turns people off with the language, particularly the godlike language, and that there's something that you and I have talked about that we call like full recovery, which needs therapy, mm-hmm. needs professional help later for many people. That after a year or two or three of just and that gets sobriety. into the mixed bag that AA is. There are some who will seek outside help. I yeah. have for decades. Yeah, right. I think I'm better than I was. I certainly am not going to become an AA guru and get a bunch of people to bow down but to Bob, me and talk about Bob, how great I am. What, what do but we, there are a lot of people in Alcoholics Anonymous, particularly in Southern California, who get off on that, who use that power. Well. And and so it's a mixed bag that's of just who's in AA. That's probably people being together anywhere. I mean, I think that's going to happen any with yeah. any. Pro- you create a new program. There's going to be assholes in that program. So what? Like, it's what just- other disease in America? The doctors, the judicial system, psychiatrists, psychologists, DS, uh, uh, DCSF, all systems tell you to go to Alcoholics Anonymous, right, for a judicial problem. A, a parenting, a child custody support problem, a child custody problem, a medical problem. They all tell you to go to a program that says, you know what, pray to God. Okay. Well, let me, Does let me, cancer do that? But define, Does diabetes do that? Here's well, do yes. any other diseases yes. say go to alcohol, a program like that? Yes, a oh. lot, there's a lot of that now. Now? A lot of mindfulness and prayer and all that yeah. kind of stuff in any disease management. Yes. Mindfulness yeah. is now yeah. the thing. But I have a question that, that is really on my mind, yeah. which is if if addiction is a biological mm-hmm. condition, mm-hmm. then what what is why do why do you the first thing you say is what's your trauma? Because that's a second component. It's so genetics it's like, and then childhood then the trauma trigger. that shatters. Yeah, then exposure. The, 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 way, the way to think about it is, 
people like okay once the disease is active you have this drive system that's abnormal and you progress and you can't stop right why did you pick up the drink in the first place you picked it up in the first place because you couldn't regulate your emotions well why were you unregulated you exited the frame of intersubjective exchange which which is the landscape within which humans build emotional regulation and you exit it and you do not go back and the 12 step pulls you back into that frame so you rebuild the connection with other people and that connection is not super super deep because you need a professional to make it very very deep but it's enough to begin to build trust closeness and that's what aa is and that's the magicalness of aa not the steps it's that i see susan agitated pacing around here email us email us at (laughs) drdrew.com if you want to ask questions on the show we will pick up your emails there Again, that is I want to get some emails from some 20-year-old drug addicts and their opinion yeah. of Alcoholics yeah, Anonymous, please. That's a good please. idea. Yeah, doctor.com slash email. me email. too. <laughs> and also... Amber Tozer at Gmail. Please, please, uh, wow. But no sex. Please uh, e- join our email list and support also no the Dr. Drew Podcast and the This Life Podcast by clicking on the Amazon banner on our websites, both the website, the Dr. Drew Podcast, uh, Drew.com and on thislifepodcast.com. The Amazon banner does not cost you a thing, but it helps keep right. wins in the sales. So we're able to keep this thing going. We can also be found on Twitter at This Life Podcast and also at Dr. Drew. Please follow us there. If you like the show, please tell us and please tell a friend. Uh, you know, it really helps keep us uh, going. It's a word of mouth. That's how this thing really gets going. And uh, also check it out on iTunes. Bob Forrest, I look forward to bringing more celebrities and experts to talk about this life. And don't forget to check out the Adam and Dr. Drew podcast, um, which is sort of a, a caller focused new version of the Adam Drew podcast, which is five days a week. And also, I have the uh, Dr. Drew podcast. That is the longest thing you've ever read. I didn't read. I was just saying off the top of my head. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it was all handwritten, that, too. I'm very It impressed. was our producer, our crack producer, gives me what I need. Yeah, see my, what you need. My so wife knows what I need. Let's just, let's just wrap this up. What I want to say is I love Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm in it, but I can criticize it. And it needs it to needs be, be modified. Maybe. It needs yeah, people from within to say, hey, it's not working. Bill Wilson's final papers he wrote in the late 60s and early 70s are about this very subject. That unless AA modernizes, and unless AA is welcoming to the new generation of, of alcoholics, it will die. But that's true of I, all, so, it all needs institutions. To come from I, within. I, I totally agree. And everybody's I don't want somebody... scared to criticize it. Except the American right. Constitution. That's, that's, that's a cult. <laughs> that's a cult. No, I. I if you're scared to I, criticize it, that's a cult. I'm not scared to criticize it. I'm scared that <laughs> if we're on. like, it's, it's nobody, no, Jesus has to remove your character defects. Like somebody's listening to it, it's going to be like, well, I'm not going to. Yeah, my biggest fear is that if you that it might turn somebody off right now in this moment. Yeah, no, no, and and, I agree with Amber. You're 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 wanting to change the. I think this turns more people on. I see exactly the opposite. Well, here's the people. Okay, wait, wait, wait. talk to them. Anybody listening, Amber, Amber, anybody listening that is (laughs) you're not the boss. Anybody listening (laughs) that is turned off by what Bob is saying and who is contemplative of going to Amber, it was going to the program. (laughs) Send us an email. And we will read yeah. it. We will address it here on the podcast. All right. Yes, okay? we will. All right. Well, Amber, we, hey, is, yes. that, is that sufficiently gratifying your codependency? Yes. All right. We love our <laughs> listeners. We love this podcast. We love our producer who makes this possible. Sharon, thank you for being two with us. We appreciate yeah, it. Amber, fun. thanks so for joining please, us. Thank you for having love the, me. Love the, the Madonna stories and stuff. It was awesome. And, <laughs> and also, of them. we can't wait to see the Showtime uh, yes. series, which is called again? Uh, Universal and Triumphant. There you go. We'll see you next time. Peace out. Bye. Bye.
about houses of hopeless we were homeless And I Sleeping, slipping, we were sleeping. 